This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowships. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. The title of our message this morning is Banished from the Garden. In Genesis 3, 9-14, it says, Then the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than the cattle, and more than the every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. This message brings us back to the original design of Hebrew woman, Hebrew man, and how the enemy, Satan, tried to get in there and throw the whole balance of God's creation off. We hope you enjoy this message. We have uh, started our series. This is number two of a five-part series on uh, the biblical woman. It is a controversial topic. We've gotten several testimonies online already of some people that have had their lives touched from the first one, but uh, we also get a little bit of hate mail too, because we are dealing with a society that is uh, 90% used to be the opposite in the 50s, 60s it started to change it a little bit because of the hippie movement, and then the 70s is when we started settling into those new doctrines of the hippie movement, and then the 80s is when they started to become politicians and pastors, and the 90s is when they're actually writing the books that these pastors are studying, and the new millennium are these preachers, the children of these preachers, i.e. Rob Bell. That's kind of the progression of what has happened, and as you know, we've been uh, boycotting the new NIV because they made it gender-friendly. They've completely removed um, any reference to he him, uh, forefather, patriarch, all of those words have been completely removed from the Bible and swapped out with people or uh, humankind or human or whatever. God is not referred to as a he as often. I have did get in there and dig into some of the passages and they left a couple references of the he, but it's usually more of a reference of God. Whereas in many of the translations, as you know, it's still referenced as he, but that is what they tried to remove. So we have gone really from a society that was not afraid to say God's a he, and that Jesus is a he. And um, we are now in a position of not only wanting to get rid of the he reference that is in... um, the Bible, when it talks about patriarchs and, and heads of home and stuff like that, 
it is now affecting God. And as I have said in some of my writings, that we are literally turning God into a she-male. And so he's... Um, I mean, I can quote you some very famous teachers that r believe that, that Jesus Christ is not male or female. So there's a new movement that is coming that is going to completely remove the gender from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is no gender connected to the Holy Spirit, by the way. I don't know if you know that. And that's why a lot of the modern churches are using a Holy Spirit-based church where there is no reference to gender. That's the, the root of their studies. So what is true about the Holy Spirit obviously is true about Jesus, which is obviously true about God the Father. Not, not in the case of roles that God has laid out in the Bible. So studying and understanding biblical woman is rather critical. So let's just jump in and, and get into some of those details. So, our question here today is, what is up with Adam eating the fruit of disobedience, and why did he blame Eve? I mean, seriously, why would Adam, who is absolutely perfect, and God even told him, he even labeled it, this is the fruit of disobedience. Don't eat from this tree, but eat from this tree. And as he ate from the tree of life, he had fruit that produced life in him. And he said, just don't eat from this tree because it's going to produce death in you. Well, the big question really is, is would Adam have eaten from that tree if Eve was not deceived? And that question we actually do have to answer. So going back to review a couple of the verses that uh, Q read earlier, it says, then the Lord God, we're starting at verse 9 in chapter 3, the Lord God called to man. And he said to him, where are you? Now, either God doesn't really have his eyes on the world and doesn't know what's going on. Was God off doing fixing and repairing in some other part of heaven or something and didn't see what was going on? Is he an irresponsible father and he's just kind of running around doing his own thing while his, his family on earth is struggling? No. He's extremely responsible. He is a responsible father and he simply asks Adam the question to see if he would lie. I've said this to Q and I've said it to many young men that I've counseled through the years. I rarely ask a question I don't already have the answer to. It's a habit I have. It's something God has shown me. So when I ask people questions, I usually already know the answer. And I do that because I want to know if they're going to tell me the truth, if I'm dealing with a truth person or if I'm dealing with someone of untruth. So God is doing the exact same thing with Adam. He's saying, where are you? Well, he knows exactly where he's at. He's hiding behind that bush over there. And the bush is probably shaking like this. Can you imagine God walking into the garden in the cool of the day? He even waited until it was cool. Now here's what most parents do. They see their kids disobeying and they run up and they threaten them. One, two, two and a half. That's what they do. No, God set the stage. 
a yes choice and a no choice. He left the garden and he watches the whole deal. He put the tree of evil in the garden. He did it. I believe you need to set people up for choices. That is responsibility. And let them make the wrong choice. But you better come in and support it with discipline. And that's what he did. He comes in and says, Adam, where art thou? So Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I, 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 I was afraid. Because I was naked. I don't know if you guys know this, but he was naked from birth. And on all these pretty pictures we have of the Garden of Eden with the blue sky and the mountains and all that, there was none of that. The world was covered with a canopy. Like a greenhouse. There were no mountains. Mountains are a result of the earth at unrest on the inside. And it's pushing its pressure to the surface. So after the cooling down in the flood, it created a major unrest on the center of the earth. And that water went into the inter-earth where all the fire was that keeps this earth spinning and it created enormous amount of reaction. And if you understand a little bit about heat and cold, you get lightning, you get thunder, you get movement. And that's why the mountains popped up and they still do to this very day is because of the unrest within the earth. So it was this perfect globe covered with a canopy, and they didn't need clothing. There were no elements to be intimidated by. There was no UV rays to damage them. That's hard for us to think, so we create this picture of Colorado and the Garden of Eden. And mountains are beautiful because God uses even unrest to birth beauty. So he says, and, and so I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Well, uh, either you're kind of dumb, God, or you're uh, playing a mind game with me. No, he's not dumb, and he's not playing a mind game. He is setting the child up as being responsible. He did not go to Eve. He went to Adam. He knew Eve was deceived. He knew Eve fell. He knew Eve passed the fruit to him. He knew he ate. He came to Adam. He knew Satan was at the base of this whole thing and he didn't go to Satan. He didn't go to the source of fault like we do with our children. He went to the source of responsibility. I, as head of my home, am responsible for all the sins inside my household. All of them. There's nothing I can do about it. I have to take that responsibility. This is what God is doing. He's going to the top. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to? Uh, duh! He's being responsible, Father. 
Son, what, what, what is this that you've done? He needs to have him take ownership of his sins or he knows, God knows he will not carry the consequences. An average man will do everything, buy, steal, trade, run, hide, to avoid responsibility for sins. God knows that. So he's setting him up question after question after question to see if he now will lie to the living God. And he did. So then man said, the woman which thou hast given me. Do you know how that reads in the Hebrew? If you could understand Hebrew, it would blow your mind. Here's what he's saying. A lot of people think he's blaming the woman. He's blaming God. In the Hebrew, it reads this way. The woman which thou has given me. He is blaming his authority. You set this thing up. You put the tree of evil and truth and this woman. You have done this is what the Hebrew is reading. Men blame upline, not downline. It may appear they're blaming their wives and yes, she is getting part of the blame. But he's blaming God for giving him choices that were unnecessary. Really. That's what makes a good authority figure is putting out an unhealthy choice and a healthy choice. That is what makes him a good father. God didn't design us to be puppets. He designed us to choose whom this day we will serve. Then the Lord God said to the woman, he didn't argue with Adam. I mean, I would have. Seriously, I would have went, oh, oh, come on. Give me a break. You're going to dump this on me? No. He just locked in his lies, filed them away, and a good, responsible parent will not argue with a fool-ish child because it turns the child into the parent. So he leave, left it alone and he goes to the woman and he doesn't ask the question, why are you hiding and why are you afraid and why are you, why did you get to see? He just says, what is this great thing you have done? And even my favorite translation left out some of the words, but it means great, unbelievable thing that you have done. Magnitude. So he says, what is this you have done? He doesn't need to know if, if he's going to lie to him. She lied to her husband. He just wanted to see if she would take ownership of her deception. And she partially did. So here's what is said. And the woman said, The serpent... And the emphasis in the Hebrew is the snake. The, it's loud. It is bold. It is the snake did this to me. So there's blame going on. But 
The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Then the Lord said to the serpent. So he got, he got Eve's little package all wrapped up and went, okay, we're just not going to get a whole lot of responsibility here today. Packaged it up, and he goes to the serpent, which he knew, because let me do a review here. Satan defied God and tried to be God, so God tossed him out of heaven. Did he go out into ozone sphere? No. God created the earth and put him on the earth. He was already here. And, and a lot of times we forget the logic sequence of creation. So when he was bolted out of heaven, he was put on this earth, but it was dark, completely dark. And so then God comes and he breathes life into everything and separates the waters and does all this beautiful, beautiful stuff, makes a perfect greenhouse for his children to live in. Then he puts a tree of knowledge and a tree of life. Then he puts Satan in the tree of knowledge and then there's the tree of life. He had parameters put around the garden. If you remember, 1,500 square miles. And everything's set. He creates Adam outside the garden from dirt. And he takes Adam and puts him in the garden and says, work. First thing out of God's mouth to Adam is work. Be responsible. So then he gets lonely, and you know the story, and he realizes it's not good for me to be alone, and, you know, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. They, they all have mates, and so God formed Eve from flesh. Flesh happens to be one of the words used for sin. So the very weakness of man, he formed this beautiful creation. And then he already gave Adam the orders. Eve wasn't even present. That was his responsibility to tell her, train her, mold her, and breathe that into her. And so he leaves. And then God's got the whole stage set. It's like setting the arena of a playground. Panic, fearful, oriented parents run into the playground and try to stop their children from sinning. <laughs> that is not the objective and goal for humans. It's to stop them from sinning. It's to have them choose life. So, a lot of parents work at stopping their children from sinning and they still get some sin through the forced obedience, which is still sin. And that's addressed later by Paul in the New Testament. So now he goes to the serpent and just says, no questions. Because you have done this, cursed are you, worse than the, the cattle of the field, the beast of the field. Cursed are you. And more than every beast of the field on your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And that's where we get the association 
with Satan being a snake. So, is he really a snake? I just have to take the word for what it is. But this I do know. The worst thing he is going to be able to do to me is nip at my heels because of Christ in me. He cannot consume me. Christians have theology built into their churches now that he can actually consume you as a Christian. They don't understand Genesis. This is a promise given. You are not going to be able to destroy her. You can only nip at her heels. And if you've ever been bit by a snake, I haven't, but they tell me it hurts like the dickens. So sure, it's going to hurt, and it's going to make you feel like you're never going to walk again, but it's only a nip on the heel. It's not a consumption of the heart. So everything was, was put in perfect motion now, even after the fall. So we will soon find out that Adam had no reason to question the actions of his woman, for she was the vessel to help Adam in his leadership. Okay, here's our Hebrew. Garden means to lift up life. We have gimel, which is a camel, to lift up. And it's the idea of giving a command to a camel, and they camels love to sit, and they rise up, and they're ready for labor. So gimel is the earliest symbol communicated about the garden is to lift up, carry the weight. And then this, if you remember, is the flashing fish through water. So it's noon, which is life, like an active fish. So you have to lift up life, and that's what Garden obviously accomplished. It, it didn't create life, it lifted up life. It became a sustainable environment for life. Adam, Eve, the beasts of the field, and literally the trees, and the bushes, and the birds. So that is what garden means, to lift up life. Then if we look at Eden, which is the name that was given to the garden, this is the eye, if you remember, Ayen, which is I see to know. This is the door, Delet, which means judge or eternal. So it means in the Hebrew to see the judge in eternal life. So God named this garden to see eternal life. And I am your judge. So choose this day. Choose this tree whom you will be a slave to. It is so perfect. It is so respectful. God is a God of, of respecting his own design. Any man that cannot trust something he has made, make a chair and you don't even trust your own handiwork to sit in your chair, should probably give up being a carpenter. Watch what God did. He tests what he made. So, there are five basic steps to transgression mentioned in the Hebrew in this passage. First one is, she saw, so she should have turned her eyes away from holding sin, but she enters into deception and temptation by looking with pleasure on the forbidden fruit. 
there are two phases actually to step one. So one, one phase is um, she sees. It's one thing to take that fruit and hold it in your hands. Satan knew that she needed to take that fruit from his hands. He didn't care at this point if she ate it because he hasn't started lying to her. He just needed to have her hold it. It's kind of like a kid holding a candy bar and the parent's trying to talk to the child while the kid's holding the candy bar and the only thing that the kid's thinking about is eating that candy bar. It's like a drug addict having the drug in their hand while there's some kind of voice in their head saying, don't do it, you will go back. No, it is just, it's just they're holding it and it, this will do the work by itself. Alone. Of course I'm going to eat it. It's in my hands. I'm holding my sin. I haven't sinned yet. It's called temptation. The Hebrew definition of temptation is to hold sin. That's it. You haven't sinned yet. You're just holding it. So, step number two. Oh, our critical note first. A great deal of sin comes in at the eyes. Since the woman is the vessel to the man's soul, it became the perfect way for Satan to reach man. Since the eye, the window of the vessel, which is Hebrew, affects the heart with guilt as well as grief, men are in need of covering the eyes of their women. Now, I hope you're getting this picture. Women are the eyes to the man. Last night we're at the rodeo. I tell my wife not to do this, but she forgets because she gets shocked. And we're sitting there and I'm enjoying the bucking broncos and the, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden Jane says, don't look, don't, don't look. It's disgusting. It's unbelievable. I'm like, why did you have to say that? So my eyes are kind of looking at the clouds and trying to, I'm working. That is what women default in doing is putting sin in the hands of the man. It's in default. My wife's not evil. It's in her default to put sin in my hands. Now I got to go, oh, oh. Whereas before, she probably could have walked by me and I wouldn't have noticed a thing. Women are the eyes to a man's soul. What she sees, she now has a choice to pass that over to her man. You can fight what I just said. I don't really care. Because it's truth. So I don't say anything? No. If you want to make sure he's distracted, you just say, oh, honey, honey, i got to tell you this, something happened to me this morning. Yeah, you, you, can, you can do practical things to turn his love and affection toward you, but you don't put the sin 
in his hands. That's why you don't say to a child, don't put your hands in the dirt. <laughs> you say to the child, come here, come here, come here. And you lead them away from the dirt and say, put your hands in the jello. <laughs> yeah, you can. So you're leading them away with a choice, but if they choose to go back to the dirt, then you got to be there to give them discipline. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, honey, that's what I'm, that's our okay. thing. Now, not polar bear alert. It is look at my foot. <laughs> and it can be as simple as I just saying, "Honey, did I say I love you today?" <gasps> that is so. Precious. And and he's gonna look at you, hopefully. And you go, "Well, hmm. <laughs> by this time she's in front of him." Uh, I don't think so. Now she's past him. Okay. And then he say, "I love you." So many of us put the emphasis on don't do and sin, Romans 7, 5 says, sin is aroused by the law. So when you use the law on children or your spouse, they will do it. Yes? Uh, from a teacher's point of view, whatever you say last is what they will do. And anytime you use the word don't, that's what they'll do. Don't throw the ball at somebody's head. They will throw it at somebody's head. <laughs> throw know. the ball in the basket. Right. You have to, yeah. Tell them that. Touch the jello. Yeah. Eat the organic, natural. <laughs> <laughs> okay, step number two is she took. So right now it's, It's all Satan's work at this point. She's just as naive as creation. She's kind of going through. Is that, is that that? Is that that tree I'm not supposed to look at? I don't think so. It looks pretty good to me. It doesn't look evil. She didn't even know what evil is. So, it was her own decision to take the action on sin. The devil did not take it, and man did not take it. But woman put it into her mouth and she ate. Satan may have, been, may have deceived or tempted, but he knew he could not force her to eat. It was simply her choice. That is a theology element that you don't hear preached in the churches as often as we did back in the 40s and 30s and whatever. The emphasis today is primarily upon that... Um, Satan does have the power to make you do things. He does not. He knows it. As God set Adam and Eve up for a choice, thus Satan is the greatest replica of God. So what he does is he sets up for a choice as well. But he whispers, and he taunts, and he says it over and over, and over and over. Whereas God says it once and leaves. And Satan says it again and again and again until they fall. Critical note. Satan may persuade us to fall into temptation, but he cannot cast us down. Matthew 4, 6. Eve's taking was stealing. It's translated out in the Hebrew as thief. To steal. 
Eve's taking was stealing, like Achan's taking the accursed thing, taking that which to which he had no right. Because woman took, stole, fruit that didn't belong to her, her new weakness would be taking from man, stealing leadership throughout all of the ages. And that is basically, in a nutshell, the problem that man is faced with to this very day is constantly wondering if he can trust his wife because is she going to steal from me? Is she going to steal my purity? Is she going to steal my leadership? Is she going to steal my money? Is she going to steal all the stuff I hear in counseling and have heard for 30 plus years? It's all about a man. When I'm dealing with the man, it's can I trust her with whatever? And with the woman, I hear year after year, year after year, year after year, can I trust my man in leading me? Will he stay pure? So I don't think he will, so I'm going to hound him, henpick him, remind him to be pure. And all it does is make him more impure. Step three, she did eat. Certainly her taking was not a deliberate act of intent, but one of an act of being deceived. The result was the same. The reason why we know for sure that it was not a deliberate act or intent is because she had no concept of sin. She had to be deceived. She had nothing to weigh it against. She had no clue. So she simply was deceived. The woman soon learned that sin is a birthing action. A woman cannot stop herself once the water breaks forth within her womb. Is, is this true or false, or is the Hebrew lying to us? It's true. No, it's true. Once the water breaks... Birth will occur. So therefore, it would be wise of us to suppress the first emotion of sin and to leave it alone before it bring, begins to flow out of us. God has always given us the natural things of the world to understand the supernatural. And the birthing process is used by Paul and other teachers in the New Testament as a comparison symbol of sin being birthed. Once the water breaks, it's history. You're going to sin. So what we need to do is get that sin out of her hands before the water breaks. Water breaks, there's another symbol when it comes to eating. And you take something that is desirable to you and you put that something, and I'm going to use something that gets me every time, and that is vinegar-flavored potato chips. And I put those in my mouth, and it activates more saliva. In fact, I end up choking on all the saliva that it creates. Every form of life does this. If I put it in my mouth, it activates a flow of liquid in order to process, and, and then it activates fluid in my stomach to process until it separates the waste from the nutrition. These parallels are used all the way through the scriptures. Same thing in, in actual process of creating, forming children. 
is a woman's body lets forth fluids and a man's body lets forth fluids so that the seed can actually find a swimming pattern to get right to the egg and so forth. It's all based on what you're looking at. Why? Because God said so. Satan knew that because he's been around for a very long time and he knew that the water had to break. That the saliva had to make him swallow. And soon as that happened, digestion. So literally the eating process was used by God to show mankind this lesson. Critical note, the one who is deceived becomes a deceiver. For a woman who does not know the history of her deception is a woman who does not know her roots. To know the roots reveals the knowledge of what comes from it. I don't know about you guys, but I don't expect apples from a corn stalk. What do you expect from corn stalk? Corn. Why? Because I know the root system of a corn stalk. I don't expect oranges from an apple tree. Why? Because I understand the root system. So forth and so on. So when the Hebrew talks to us about understanding our roots, it is using the illustration of creation. In other words, what you put in your mouth is what will come out of you. Jesus himself said that, if I remember correctly. It's what goes into the man that defiles him. So this is something that Jesus is aware of because he has always been, and Satan was aware of because he was there during creation. And so he knew that that, that fruit had to go inside the mouth and go into digestion because it will defile the man. And as we know, it did. That's why you're sitting here struggling with sin. Number four, she gave also to her husband with her. It is probable that man, Adam, was not with her when she was tempted. In fact, if he was, he would have been perfect in his response to protect her. Because he was already perfect. So whether he was like this, or he was a couple miles down the road, the odds are, I think we're going to find when we get to heaven, he was not standing next to her. Because he was perfect in his leadership. He would have protected her. But came to her when she had eaten, and was prevailed, in other words, taken over by this power, upon her to eat. And the word with in this, in the Hebrew, is him, which means like. This is, this is huge. This is a major theological issue you're staring at right now. There's been endless theologians arguing whether Adam was there or whether he was not. This, from the Hebrew, actually shows us he was not. This Hebrew word says like. The English always messes up the translation. Always. There's no English translation, not even King James, I'm afraid, that does an adequate job of translating. English is a, is a language that is complex. 
and it's impossible to get it to match the original writings. So, it means like, and the Hebrew clearly reveals the passage to read, she gave also to her husband who was like her. This is a critical to understand the order of clearing up the aged question of was, uh, where is Adam? And I already talked about the English translation. So this mostly, this most likely was not the case, and this is why it is so important. If she came to him and gave him the, forb the forbidden fruit, it would help clarify the issue of trust, that the trust that he did have in her. So she most likely fell into deception, but the truth of the matter is misery does love company, and so she invites him in. You take two children, and if one gets in trouble, that one is going to go into, to the sibling and get that sibling to be part of their sin. One, they're going to share in the strength of the discipline, and two, it's going to make them feel better that they're not alone because sin makes you feel alone. No one likes feeling alone, so misery loves company. And that's exactly what was happening with Eve, and it's what happens to you in this room today. And that's why if you put sinful people together in a room and in a city and in a given area, it multiplies very quickly. Believe me, I attended many drug parties and one time overdosed to the point of dying and uh, they had to re resuscitate me and blah 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 because there were so many drugs going around so much sin going on in that house that my flesh could not turn it away because nobody wanted to be alone with what they were doing it kills you ultimately it will put you away so she gave it to him and, of course, as we realize and know that he ate. But even though she understood at that moment, this is very, very hurtful, harmful, damaging. She's looking at him and feeling naked, feeling ashamed, and feeling condemned. She's like, I'm not going alone. Honey, try this. This is unbelievable fruit. He had no reason not to trust her. Most theologians teach this, that Adam and Eve were standing by the tree, which is standing by Satan. So Adam was staring Satan in the face. I don't believe that. I'm not one of them. I believe she took this fruit, and they're seeking each other out, and they find each other, and she's taking this fruit saying, Try this! It really tastes good. You thought Snickers tasted good. And he takes. He had no reason not to believe her. Because one of the ten primary responsibilities of a woman is to feed her husband. So she's feeding him normally. And he eats. And he falls. Well, then you'd think God would come into the garden going, boy, that woman messed up, didn't she? <laughs> Got to make you another one. No, he put the full-on deal on, on Adam. 
full responsibility. Critical note, those that have been deceived and walked into the enemy's trap, commonly draw in others to do the same. It's called an argument. As was the case with the devil. He fell and became eternally miserable. So was the woman. No sooner a sinner than a tempter. Happens around you every day. Because of the strength of the message I, I try to put out every day in the ministry, I have people constantly tempting me to go into an argument. And they're a little shocked when I come out with, I won't engage with you. I can tell you're setting a trap for me. I do not debate. Either you want the truth or you don't want the truth. I will not debate you. And they get very angry. Because they know that the article they read are making them feel guilty and they want to debate me versus just receive the conviction. But if the person came to me, which I have many do, come to me and say, I have a couple questions about your message. Okay, what are they? And if I don't have the answer, I go, I don't know. We'll have to go find out. See, that's different than a trap, a seducer. And then number five, he did eat, overcome by his wife's insistence, along with the trust that he had in his helpmate, he fell. It is needless for us to ask this question, that is, what would have been the consequence if Eve had been the only one to transgress? The wisdom of God, we are sure, would have decided the obvious, and that is to give him another woman. Nevertheless, Adam also did eat and brought great harm to all of mankind. This act of involved a, a disbelief of God's voice, word, which is how it's translated whenever you see these parentheses, it's Hebrew, in partnership with the confidence of the devil's own discernment, pride in his own merits and ambition to stealing God's honor, which is the stealing Adam did, Adam, God's earthly leader, becomes addicted to the indulgence of the appetites of the body, primarily through the vessel women. That's why men suffer with pornography and adultery and anything that's, got to, that's connected to women. It's because of what you just read. This is when a man uh, developed a bent to pursue sexual immorality and please women before finding uh, the needs of actually meeting God's needs in him. Finally, the neglecting of the tree of life, of which he was allowed to eat, and eating of the tree of knowledge, which was forbidden, he plainly showed contempt of the favors God had placed on him and took preference in those things God did not see fit for him. And then man now acts as if he is his own creator, and his own master. And this would be the primary reason why God was the toughest on man regarding discipline. You see, God can handle people sinning. Parents can handle their children making bad choices and sinning. But it's a different thing when someone gets in your face and acts like God. Satan was immediately removed from heaven. 
when he decided to act like God. God could handle the disobedience of Eve very objectively. But it was Adam's attitude of, of being God, being like God, that removed him from the garden. And that was exactly the consequence as Adam was banished from the garden. A man that uses woman as an excuse to blame his reasons for being deceived is a man who rejects and blames himself. For woman is the window of his own soul. Since we are one flesh, if I blame my wife, I am blaming myself. Because God doesn't look at us as separate people. God views us as one person. So what I do unto my wife, I do unto me. What I do unto me, I do unto God. Here's our prayer for today. Dear Father, I know that you have given us women to be the completer and helper for men. And I believe all of what you stated, all of your stated scriptures say regarding the role of a woman. And I believe she is a co-heir of your grace and that you have made her perfect in your sight. I renounce all ways that man has attempted to make her less than man. I accept her in the way you have created her. I choose now to pray for all the women that are being used and mistreated by man. I ask that you would protect her and her children from the men that tend to take advantage of her and the way you have made her. I claim your peace for all those who are in abusive relationships. I ask that you would show all men that you have given women to mankind to complete them, not abuse them. These things I pray in the blessed name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I would like to say, because we have obviously people who uh, are listening that are not in this room, and a lot of people do listen to messages like Banished from the Garden because it strikes some kind of an interest in them. I also know that this is an absolute, I hate this message for men. They do not like to be told they are responsible for the sins of their children, the sins of their wife, and the sins of themselves. And they do not like to hear that they have to carry the primary responsibility. And I know it's very painful for women to bear forth children. I know it's very painful for uh, women to raise up their children, which is her second consequence. And I know it's extremely painful for women to have to submit to these irresponsible men who do tend to abuse them. Those three responsibilities of consequences for women are enormous. But I'm here to tell you today that the consequences given to man are going to bring the earth to the end. Cursed is the ground that we walk on because of Adam. Hell will open up and consume 90% of every person ever born because of Adam not because of the devil. 
Evil is evil. And God knew this being was evil. But Adam chose to sin by taking on, I can be like God. I'll be my own boss. I'll be my own creator. And God said, because you hearkened to the voice of your wife, because you embraced oneness by her voice versus oneness by my voice, Cursed is the ground that you walk upon. And from this day forward for you and your children, your great-grandchildren, all the way to the last human that walks on the earth before I open up the pit of hell. You must know and you must realize that these consequences are a result of you, Adam, not Eve. So what does that mean for us as men? We need to get on our faces before the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we are not saved, if there's someone out there who's listening that is not saved, they need to get saved. There's a plan of salvation on our website. You can go there. You can just simply fall on your face before God and say, God, I am a sinner. I am confessing. I am one of these who do not, does not know you. And today I choose to know you. Today I choose to embrace you. I receive the Holy Spirit into my life and become truly born again. And every sin you've ever committed, you'll be forgiven of. But if not, you too will follow that pathway to the crack of the earth because it's cursed. Final note, don't ever preach the doctrines that man got cursed. It says the earth was cursed, not man. You cannot redeem something that's been cursed. It must burn. And that's why God did not curse man. He did curse Satan, so Satan cannot be redeemed. But he did not curse man. He cursed the earth. Father, I want to thank you and praise you for your truth. And I know, Father, this is a very difficult um, portion of Scripture to embrace. But the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, can and will do it if you choose so. I pray any words that came out of my mouth that are not of you, that you would supernaturally cause the listeners to forget. But Father, everyone that uh, was appointed to receive this truth, I pray it would change their lives. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events, and we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, in the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a bye, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.